Welcome to Sports Trebuchet, issue number 39. I am Marty. I'm Kyle. And I'm Josh. And we are here to discuss just how we need to handle the situation with coronavirus. Guys, (laughs) do we have any plans in case this thing goes south? Like, legit goes south, since we're in the south. Yeah, we yeah yeah yeah. It's in. There's a couple cases now in Illinois, so it's coming yeah. for us. Uh, no, I guess I'll just ride it out. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, Kyle is already isolated enough, so he's I safe as houses out there. That's well, true, and with what he eats from the like the, con- the concessions from the this little store downstairs, he's probably immune to <laughs> just about anything that comes well, his my, way. My father in law swore he had had the coronavirus uh, earlier no, this did, week. Did he really? He well, he had he definitely had like something that felt like the flu. I guess it ended up being bronchitis, but he he's like, oh, I think oh, I'm not going to say what he said, but oh no, oh no, is it is it? Uh, a little risky. Uh, Did he go get his Chinese oil changed, flu. and there was a Chinese guy? The- <laughs> he called it the Chinese flu. The chi- well, the Chinese flu is not. That's, that's not bad at all. I saw kung flu. Oh, no, that's excellent. Um, yeah, the uh, that's not so bad. I do, I do like the the people that are trying to ridicule people from China for eating things like bat soup. And then on the other side of things, going to like, a, you know, a Chili's or let's say a Red Robin and eating like a double cheeseburger with bacon and maple syrup and french fries with ranch and then like a Sour Patch Kids watermelon slushy. Or a uh, or french fries dipped in mayonnaise. Okay, well, we're gonna if we're gonna take personal attacks here. <laughs> oh no! You, why do you do that? Uh, so I'll, I'll start with this. It depends on the French fry, right? It's not like every single French fry, but if if I have say a your traditional think like McDonald's fry, right? Like shoestring, okay. super simple. Salt does it, and if you don't catch it right out of the fryer and season it, all that shit's going to do is usually fall off. Sure. Right? Like Cajun seasoning or sea, or sea salt or whatever it is. So I really like, I don't like ketchup. I like mustard a lot. But what I'll typically do is I'll use mayonnaise as a base and then I'll season the mayonnaise. And depending, okay. and depending sometimes like for instance, I'll do like papas, right? So I'll do like a, a Mexican style French fry, and then I'll do like chili powder, lime, a little bit of mayo, sometimes a lot of mayo, just kind of depends on how I'm feeling, and I'll use that as a dip sometimes. But it's not almost ever just raw mayonnaise. So Okay, so that's what – you're making an an aioli, which – yeah, I mean, is, kind of. Like, it's kind of. I can see that. I, you know, we we've made mayonnaise based sauces in the yeah, past. It's, it's, it's a, a poor good man's base. aioli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about people that would go. Can I get a cup of mayonnaise? And then just go to town, just dipping the their fries in the mayonnaise. Don't ever yeah. go to Europe. It's a thing in Europe. Sounds right? miserable. Yeah, like in France, when I went to Paris, uh, when we went to McDonald's in Paris, they would they had a lot of mayonnaise like that they had to take away. And when we went to when we went to Bruges as well, they also had mayonnaise like as a as like a pretty common sight to like dip fries in and stuff. Well, I feel a little bit more vindicated now, <laughs> just a little bit, cause, <laughs> because I, I didn't think I was weird, because I definitely had, at nice restaurants, like Kyle said, some kind of aioli or like a a seasoned mayonnaise to go with something. So, it, like a, 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 a Eggs Benedict or something, which you guys wouldn't know, because you, <sighs> you guys don't eat egg. That's I mean, my problem the- with mayonnaise. The thing with the Chinese stuff is that it's the it's the state of the market. Have you seen this, the market that they say it came from? Yeah, the pictures of it. I, <laughs> I would like, invite like, you. I would invite you to a small town farmers market that is not in like a a uh, a very affluent area because some of those places, like the place my grandpa used to go buy ducks for his lake. That they'd be selling out of like a cage. 
Uh, right. Never, but there's also not like there's also like maybe a hundred people will pass through that, not like eighteen thousand. Ooh, no. The McKinney trades days in farmer market was like it was thousands. But in general, it definitely was not to that level. Like it's right. I, I think it's like, also the fact that their food is not like their food. The food here is like you've got two sides of the coin, right? Like their food is like not well, uh, like taken care of. Whereas over here, it's too well taken care of and blasted with chemicals. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like you're fucked. Yeah, like yeah. So like you're fucked either way. But one of them produces like T virus, zombie creating viruses, and the other one just creates like conspiracy theorists who uh, think six, the six foot, taking over the six world. Six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound sixteen year olds playing offensive line is what the, yeah. the <laughs> steroided meat in, in America does, I think. And like Alex Jones or whatever his name is. So I <laughs> recently went to a new job, which I, I don't think we we may have talked about on the podcast a little bit, but. I share with you guys, and I want to share with the audience what happens. This company is a global company. So there's offices in uh, India, London, Charlotte, New York City. One of these things is yeah, not yeah, I, just, I just realized, I think there's uh, France, maybe Italy too. They've got a lot of really, uh, a pretty big span over the globe. Well... Because of the coronavirus, they're having to kind of put out, I think about a week and a half ago, they put out just like a precautionary thing. Hey, if you have to go to China for business, like let us know. Let's discuss this and everything else. But right now, you know, because the state of things a week ago is a little bit different too. Right. And we have a person that works with us whose daughter works in China. And she came back from China a few weeks ago. Should be important to note here that the daughter is not sick. Like, not even a flu. Nothing. She's just a okay. carrier. She, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, she's a mode <laughs> yeah. of transportation. She landed in Illinois. So she came home to visit her mom. And her mom works with me. I, I don't even know this lady. I don't even know her name. I don't think I could recognize her because I don't know a lot of the people in the company. But she went home last Friday, a week ago, which would have been the 24th, with kind of a cold, right? Like, didn't feel too good. And then Monday comes around, and she calls out again. And people start talking about, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to call her Debbie, because I don't know her name. Debbie, Debbie's daughter, you know, she was working in China, uh, and the rumors started going around that maybe she has coronavirus from her daughter. And the amount of fucking idiots that are wearing those doc... I don't know what you call those masks. Just face masks? The, the, the bird flu masks? The bird flu, the SARS mask is what I always refer to it as. But like a doctor's like the, mask. Like the, like the medical yeah. ones, yeah. Yeah, medical yeah. mask. I, it, whenever I say face mask, I, and it's not what I'm picturing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's like that paper thin thing with the, the strings that you tie around your ears. Yeah, the doctors, yeah. the doctors wear to, I guess, protect from certain diseases, but also to not get like sprayed in the mouth by blood and they're doing surgery or whatever. Right. There are no less than like 30 people that have these masks at your work, <laughs> at my work. Brilliant. And You'll not only how it. ineffective is it, but they're like heating up their food in the break room with their masks down, eating their food. And then as they're chewing, putting their mask back above their mouth, <laughs> like it's gonna, like it's done anything. Well, they actually just released. Uh, I think one of the nurses or like a Chinese, one of the Chinese hospitals just said today that like the face masks are not effective because um, they had like they had some uh, they had some person. I guess they had some person go in with like a face mask on and all this sort of shit to like a certain quarantine thing, and like the only thing that was exposed was his eyes, and like he still got it. So like they think it's just like flesh born. Like if it like lands on your like skin, like it can get in any which way. So So when you go in tomorrow, everybody's gonna be wearing hazmat uniforms. It's honestly <laughs> it, got, it got better and then it got worse again because they put an email blast out saying, Hey, production is halted. Y'all chill. She has she got diagnosed with a cold, like the lady. The daughter's not sick, and people are still wearing it. 
and they're like taking it off to go to the bathroom and then putting it back on when they walk into the offices. Like, I don't understand. Like, well, bathrooms are <laughs> notoriously, you know, clean. You know, the cleanest not, place in the world. Yeah, the yeah. cleanest places, especially in this office building where two of the four floors are under construction. <laughs> like, it's, just, <laughs> it's, I, I don't, it's a, uh, it's a weird thing to be around because it's hard not to laugh. And I've tried to sneak a picture of these idiots who are <laughs> dressed like not quite work appropriate. And then the, like they're wearing like, uh, I say not work appropriate. I say, who am I to judge? They're wearing like leather boots. They're like knee high. And then like denim pants. That That's cool. Maybe a denim shirt to match. That's Ooh. all cool. And they got this stupid ass mask on. And I just started <laughs> coughing around the office whenever I go into the break room. <laughs> well, I, uh, you'll know, you'll know this person, my, um, one of my, one of our coworkers, Alex, he, uh, he has a friend in Texas that when it happened, he bought like eight boxes of those surgical masks and has flipped them for like a ridiculous amount of profit on like Facebook and next door <laughs> to people really that are exactly the sort of people that I was wondering who. Who would like? Who would spend so much money on these? Now I know the people at your work are the yeah, target market for been, this man. Like. It, it is. Uh, it is honestly like yeah. The face mask. Besides the fact that, like especially now, everyone's got a phone. Like it's sticking to that phone, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and that phone is getting touched by you all the time, and it's by your food, and it's in your hand, and it's on your clothes. Like it's just it's the silliest shit ever. Not to mention like phones, it's going through the 5G are a network. Disgusting thing. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. 5G, yeah, which is just so it's basically supercharged. It's supercharged coronavirus. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about the transfer window? It's the 30th of January, so it is about to slam closed. Sure. You didn't say that with anywhere near enough drama. Well, I, I know, you know what, honestly, I'll tell you a little bit behind the scenes here. So I typically, use my, de- I, I typically use my stand-up desk and I stand up. I'm sitting down now and the chair I'm in is very comfy, but also it creaks if I move too much. So I've got a very low energy kind of paralyzed delivery currently in terms of <laughs> physical movement. Because I, I don't want the podcast to just be a series of like... Uh, uh. Just back and forth. <laughs> Here, let me see if I can get it to go. Oh, yep. boy. So, yeah, it didn't sound like a chair creak. Yeah, it sounded like my asshole. Yeah, it sounded yep. like you just ripped ass. Speaking of asshole, so did Watford bring anybody in, Kyle? <laughs> uh, they're, th- they're looking at bringing in Ben Gibson, who's a center back playing at Middlesbrough right now. Um, obviously, they have to get it done real soon. Uh, but we did bring in uh, Ignacio Pesetto. Um, who is the guy that that made that ridiculous save against Tottenham? Oh, the the last. Yeah. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, the guy that that when it was ninety five percent over the line. Yeah, the the dude that shouldn't have been in there because he was brought in because uh, Sar uh, came up with a hamstring injury about five minutes early. Wow. So is that your biggest? How many? Do you have anybody going out? Um. I think that success might be going out. That probably serves you well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't see the, the pitch anyways. Uh, I saw that Wes Brom made a loan offer for Domingos Kina. Who I like him a lot. I want him to, I'd rather have him stay up. But uh, I think that also uh, uh, Daley Bashiro might also be sent out on loan. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my Yes, from the talky save that I did on Football Manager. It would probably serve him well to go out on loan, uh, just because he's not getting the playing time right now. Um, but it's kind of, it's going to be kind of a quiet transfer window, I think, and that's fine. Um, we did mention uh, Richarlison. So apparently, Barcelona put an eighty-five million uh, pound bid in for him, and Everton said nah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Eighty-five million. Yeah. Josh, they have also uh, they have also come out and said that uh, the fact that 
Everton have been, uh, in their own words, emphatic that reports of any bid from Barcelona are nonsense and that they consider the matter closed. There's a lot of people that uh, I've been listening to on the radio today that are very well placed compared to us, um, you know, like South American consultants and all that sort of shit, um, that actually think this is just an agent thing uh, where there hasn't actually been any bid. Um, there may not even be any interest. It's actually just an agent sending these stories to Sky Sports and ESPN and people like that to circulate it, to gather that attention, to see if they can actually make it happen. So um, I, I know your I know your thoughts on agents in general, but in, in your estimation, is the goal there to attach that eighty five million dollar tag in the minds of Everton for Richarlison, or is it to I, I I don't know I don't even know how to ask the question because I'm not even sure is it well Richarlison think- is only young right he's still a young player and Everton have just I think it's I think it's just recently they've signed him to like a five year deal like an extension so eighty five million pound for him isn't the world's craziest tag I've seen because if that was real it would be a like a like a hands off tag right like they've just gone so high that if you want him, you're going to have to spend more than you want to to get him. But the idea is that they're just kind of floating this out there because Luis Suarez, who is Barcelona's main striker, has, received, has had a bit of a serious injury, and he's probably out for the rest of the season. So Barca are looking for a striker, and agents know that. And I think this is honestly, from what everything I've read and heard, is just a very, very clever agent manipulation to try and see if they can engineer a move from Everton to Barcelona and the reason being is that who makes commission off of all of that money the agent who makes signing on fees bonuses all that sort of shit the agent and if you're organizing a genuinely 85 million pound move to Barca like you're an agent that's like set for life so you're making I get it yeah so the most uh, I'm just kind of looking through this list and this tracker I know is not completely up to date, but it looks like the biggest price tag coming into the premier league is Bruno Fernandez for Man U. Yes. Could you give us 10 words on how good he is? Because I've honestly never heard of him. And I know that's not like a shot at him. It's me (laughs) like in this situation. (laughs) Yeah. He's not you. It's me. He's not, He's not so much a, like a, the reason he hasn't made the news story so much is because he isn't like a Leo Messi or a Suarez or like a Aguero. He's not a striker. He's a midfielder. Like he plays in central midfield. He's, he scores plenty of goals from there. Um, like think of him more as, uh, think of him like Kevin De Bruyne. He's, he's not even like a number 10. Like he's not going to sit right behind the striker. He's that number like eight like that Pogba, De Bruyne type player. So he's the key kind pass of, guy? Yes. Yeah, he's the he's the dictator of the ball in the middle of the park. And he is, I think he's only 25. Um, he's been with uh, Sport in Lisbon for a while. Um, I can't remember who they signed him off of. But he, he essentially has been running the show at their place since they've had him. And he is like quite clearly Portugal's next big talent that they're going to build their entire team around. Like the Portuguese national team is going to have to say goodbye to Ronaldo within the next two years, or at least by the next World Cup. And Bruno Fernandes is the man that they intend to kind of have take over from that. And he's he's good enough to do it. And he's an excellent signing for United. Um, you know, I think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has had actually a pretty good transfer like record. He signed Daniel James in the summer, who was, who was excellent. Um, he signed Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who was like a fantasy football king last year for like 4.0. I'm pretty sure me and you both got on him really yeah. early, Marty. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was like last year's Lundstrom. Um, and then, he, of course, he's brought in Fernandez now and uh, he brought in... Who was the other person he signed last year uh, in the summer? He brought in somebody else uh, that's... They've all done pretty well. Um, so like, he's, done, he's done a good job and... Bruno Fernandes is a top signing. I'm surprised they got it done in January, honestly. I thought it might have took until the summer. Yeah, it seems that big of a price tag in the winter transfer window from the little bit I know doesn't seem right. 
or does it seem, it seems odd, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, normally most January sign-ins are seen as like, like they're plug-in holes, whereas this is just a genuine sign-in of like talent and it's like unusual. Like, so like Aston Villa, who I think have had a very good window, you know, they've signed a lot of players that they have need, right? They signed Pepe Reina from AC Milan, which is like an unbelievable sign-in. Um, like Champions League winning goalkeeper that still I'm sure can do it at the top level. Um, they signed Danny Drinkwater, who has had a lot of problems since he won the league at Leicester, but he's a central midfielder that can help if he ends up going back to anything like what he used to be. Um, they signed Samata from Genk, who, as you know, I'm a huge fan of, yeah. um, and I think he'll score plenty of goals for them this season and well on into the next couple. Um, and, you know, they've signed in places they need. Like They lost Wesley, so they needed a striker. Uh, they lost Heaton, I think it was, so they needed a goalkeeper. Um, they've gone out and like done the exact same thing. Like that, They've plugged the holes that they need. Uh, so I think they've had a really good window. I also noticed another one that I like to see. Uh, someone that we all know and love moved from Leicester to Swindon on loan uh, on the 28th of January, Mai. Admiral Musque. No, oh boy! Didn't. Yes, he Admiral did. Admiral is wait. Who's he playing for now? Uh, Swindon Town. Well, we've all kind of been Swindon Town fans, haven't we? Uh, I cannot believe it. I just saw him <laughs> as I was going through all the transfer moves, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Truly a blessing. So it really. is interesting you brought up Villa because the the Samada signing, but also bringing in the two loans, and then Sheffield just saying, "Okay, cool, yeah, we're in." We're going to stay up and buying Sander. Is it Berg? Berger, yeah. Berger, okay. And then bringing in Jack Rodwell, Jack Robinson, too. I don't know. It's just it's interesting to see both of them that I think we all figured they'd be near the bottom, right? Because most new teams to the Premier League are. And for Villa to have the history. Well, isn't Sheffield like crushing? Oh, yeah. Sheffield, Sheffield is up there. That's, not, that's what yeah, I mean. Villa, like she- yeah. Sheffield's just saying, like, okay, cool. Yeah, we're killing it and we're going to just spend money because we're not worried about having to hedge money the wrong way if we get relegated. Whereas if Villa goes back down, those loans, they can just offload and take them back. Yeah, it's it's a it's a clever move by Sanderberger. I'm sad because I know we were in for him in the summer and he didn't want to come over. Um, and I guess Sheffield United were also in for him in the summer, but he didn't want to come over to England um, because he didn't believe either team would be good enough for him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now Sheffield United is safe. I think he's took a look at it and thought, I'm not getting any younger. I think he's like, what, 22, 23? Um, and I think he's just thought, I can... Uh, I can sit here for, I've got 18 months of guaranteed Premier League football. If I can do what I've been doing in Belgium for the last two or three years in the Premier League for 18 months, even if Sheffield United go down bottom, like I'm going to be playing for, you know, any Premier League team I want outside of the top two or three. Right. And I, I can understand why he did it. Um, I think that's an absolutely world-class signing for Sheffield United. You know, that upgrades their entire midfield 10 times over, I think. Well, um, uh, I think he's an excellent player. We can cover this more if you want. I, I want to put a pause because we're actually going to have Jay from the Partial Recall podcast come in. So I'm going to hit stop on this recording and yep. we will pick it up with Jay. All right. We got Jay from the Partial Recall podcast uh, at Jay Cranfill at Partial Recall underscore. Jay, can you hear us? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So you went to the Royal Rumble. Oh boy, did I. It was amazing. Tell us about it. Uh, we can interject wherever you'd like us to. Okay. Um, oh, I mean, the, the, the show from beginning to end was, was really good. And I actually, I was in Phoenix <clears throat> uh, last year for the Rumble that they had out there. And that one, I mean, it's not a bad show by any means, but I felt like the energy in the building at Minute Maid Park was like, it was pretty much full tilt the whole time. Like maybe uh, because the Bailey-Lacey Evans match was when everyone apparently decided they needed, that was when they were going to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Same, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. 
other than that, um, I mean, it was just the crowd was going pretty nuts the whole, you know, the whole time. Um, just in general, I thought that uh, it's the second year in a row they've had it at a baseball venue, and it seemed like they had the ring situated a little. Maybe it's just the way that the two ballparks are configured a little differently, but it seemed like the ring was closer to the regular baseball seating at Minute Maid than it was last year at, I guess it's Chase Field out in, out in Phoenix. But that was just first observation. Last year we actually had floor seats, but they were way on the back. And that's not a very good mm. angle to see the ring. And yeah. we, we were like in the 100 level, just like the guys, uh, everybody came out of basically the dugout was the the ramp to walk to the ring. Like we were like one section in the one hundreds and like one section over to the right from where they were coming out. So it was like a phenomenal angle to see them, anybody come out for their match and to watch the matches themselves. It was great. Yeah, It looked like, it looked like when they walked out, like if they went up the steps and stopped that you're viewing them in their right ear based off the picture. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you say it didn't seem like the ring was centered in the field, did it look like it was closer to the diamond, you mean? Like in yeah. terms of – okay. Like last year it felt like they had it more like on the – beyond where – like on the edge of the outfield is more – where it was situated it seemed like last year. This year it seemed like it was more like on second base or just, just inside of it. It just – that just might be my, you know uh, – just perception from where I was sitting in the two different ones and like the angle made it look further away, but I don't know. It seemed like they learned uh, logistically learned some things from last year and maybe corrected that uh, this year and just the, the setup of everything. So um, the, the venue itself, Minute Maid Park, I don't, I don't have, you know, an issue with it as a, as a baseball stadium. Um, yeah. It's a team that plays in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, judging, nobody likes that team. <laughs> judging by uh, one, the fact that they uh, ran out of concessions, like maybe two thirds of the way through the show in a lot of places, and I'm not sure all the bathrooms were open because of the tremendously long lines. Anytime you needed to go, surprisingly, it didn't seem like Houston was ready when a flood of people was headed. <laughs> <laughs> Headed to their city. I can't believe it. You used I mean, to being unprepared for a, a swath of. <laughs> no kidding. But that was like every, I'm telling you, I, I'm trying to remember the everything in order, but I guess it was like the Falls Anywhere match and then it was the Women's Rumble. And then once, I, go ahead. I got a question. Why, um, during that Falls Count Anywhere match, uh, why didn't you jump down and help out Roman Reigns? Everybody <laughs> else did. <laughs> Oh, I was, uh, or did you hold one of the Usos beer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was performing another, another task during that time. They were actually from where we were at, uh, when they were on the, on the actual floor, they were like on the completely opposite side from where we were. And then it ended on the, on top of the opposite dugout. So that entire part of the show was just watched on the screen because you couldn't see, I couldn't see where they were or what was going on just from my from, just from a plain view I was actually about to ask you that how how it was in the arena for you because when we went to Clash of Champions there was a bit of scrapping in the arena but it was right near us and Minute Maid Park is a lot bigger than yeah you know the, the little arena in Charlotte for the a Spectrum Center so I was yeah I was intrigued to see what it would have been like watching it live because you know when we're watching it like on the tv it's designed for us to look at it yeah. and, and we said at the time that it could have been a bit yeah like we said at the time like it can't be like optimal to just like sit there and like try and find out where the hell anything is going on no i was just watching it on a big tv screen if it had <laughs> if the way it was situated it had concluded on top of the dugout that was close to us it would have been fantastic but it was on the, the complete opposite side so you're basically just watching it on, they had like the, you know, screens around, uh, like the rafter air, whatever, right above the ring. And then the ballpark has one huge screen, like, uh, above right field. And you can watch it on either one of those. But, gotcha. um, I was going to say when, uh, I think the women's rumble ended and essentially once everybody knew that Bailey and Lacey Evans were coming up next, like it seemed like a third of the crowd just immediately turned around and just 
bolted for concessions and bathrooms. <laughs> and, I, and I did the opposite. I watched them, and the second there was a three count in that match, I took off and sprinted, thinking that that was going to be a, a great plan. But then I got stuck in the line while they're running all the promos for The Fiend against Daniel Bryan. Oh. And managed to get out of there and most almost literally sprint from the bathrooms to my section and down the stairs, like just in time for when the music kicked in. So I avoided disaster there because I thought, man, I'd come all this way and uh, pay this money and stuff and miss the you know part of the Universal Championship match. Can't have that happen. How did you like in person uh, the Fiend's entrance? Uh, it was very cool. Um, I was most pleased by the fact that, uh, once they got in there and they were going to get started, that they weren't under a giant red light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask, for real, you, dude. Very disappointed that, you know, that there wasn't a red light. So I was, I was at SmackDown in Dallas on, you know, last Friday and, uh, they had, they used the red light that night when he, when he came out and then they had a, uh, you know, whatever, after TV's off. They had the main event for the night at within the American Airlines Center was Daniel Bryan against the Fiend, just for the crowd that was there in person, and they used the red light for that. So I was expecting it, but then when they didn't use it, maybe they didn't use it because it's such a big venue and it would have been so hard for people to see, especially way up in like the three hundred level if they used it. But I hope they don't go back to it. Yeah, I was trying to imagine what it would look like for the lighting rigs in a baseball field for them to try to get as strong of a red as they seem to insist. But we all watched it at my house, and I think we all held our breath when the ring, when they were both in the ring and the match was going to start, assuming that it was just going to stay red. And it was a, a relief that it wasn't. Yeah. I was hoping that there was going to be, you know, maybe some bugs projected on the on the, uh, <laughs> on the ring again. That was really, really wonderful when they did that a couple of years ago. Hey, you know they had, uh, you know they've had plenty of bits recently that didn't didn't work or haven't worked. But I felt like I don't want to say like the show was perfect or anything like that. But man, it was pretty close. I felt like they had everything just going exactly the way that they needed to through pretty much this whole thing. Yeah, my biggest gripe would have I would have when we talked about it uh, personally was I would have put the Bailey Lacey Evans. Kyle, you suggested the pre-show, and I think that would have been right. And then just had start with Women's Rumble, put Corbin and Roman in that second spot, and then the show goes on as yeah. as, as it was. Yeah, they, And they have they, done that in the past, don't they? They're, I feel like they've started a lot of Rumbles lately with one of the two Rumble matches. Yeah. yeah it'll, it, so it, I was surprised they didn't. Yeah. So And they started way early. I mean, the... Uh, you know, on the network, it started at six central time, and there were two pre-show pre-show matches. And I know I got into the park about ten till five, and like Shorty G and Sheamus was already going, like an hour plus before the main show started. Yeah, two hours of pre-show is a bunch. It's oh, too much. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I wasn't tuned in for that. We were hanging out until you know we felt like we didn't want to. Didn't want to have to rush it to get in there. So, so I know we only have you for a short time tonight, and, and it's about five minutes left. So I want to go over the men's rumble. Oh, okay. I have two yeah. questions. Okay. One, did the crowd seem to be into the Brock Lesnar thing? Yes. Okay. Because it se- at first I hated it, and then as it g- went on and like Shelton Benjamin comes out and all that other stuff, like I started enjoying it. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah. I, uh, I was going to say, it's like the crowd followed the same kind of emotional reaction to it. Because it's kind of astonishing. The second question I have was Edge. How loud was it? Uh, it was louder than when Drew won. That doesn't surprise I mean, it, And I'm it not was... kidding. Dude, he looks great. He's in better shape now than he was when he was an active, me- well, when he was in his first run. And it was uh, the the whole crowd stood the entire time from the from the very beginning when Brock came out. Everybody stood up and nobody nobody sat down until well after it was over and and McIntyre had made his uh, victory lap around the you know through the through the park and yeah and I you know having um, really only followed it closely 
you know, in recent years, just the last couple of years, like I didn't have that immediate recognition that that was Edge's music. Uh, even though I'd heard it was rumored that he was going to be a part of it and all that. But I'm telling you, once that hit, like it was almost like ear piercing loud in that, in that instant that everybody, everybody reacted. That was you definitely say, the biggest pop. Would you say it was a similar reception to when uh, Dana Brooke came out in the Women's Rumble? <laughs> or, mighty, like, or Mighty Mighty Molly? Mighty Molly, <laughs> mighty Molly man. Jesus Christ. I, I spent uh, most of the Women's Rumble kind of looking to the guys that were with me like, who is who is that? Is that they, Did they win like a raffle down the road and they just put them in it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I saw her uh, arguing with some manager at a Dairy Queen not not yeah. a week ago. Boy, and I really, I really thought that uh, Shayna was going to win it. I thought they just set it up, just come out at thirty, throw everybody out, and and that's it. Well, we do like a little game for the Royal Rumble. We all get together, we put in some money, and we pick numbers out of a hat and do the big board. And whoever's number wins the Rumble they get the money right i i had charlotte and drew mcintyre wow and yeah kyle fixed uh, it it was bullshit i did not i did not and josh had roman reigns and Shayna baszler so and (laughs) tough i was hopeless yeah honestly i wasn't too upset with the roman piece like i didn't want him to win anyway but i was gutted with the Shayna thing like i think that we all know that Charlotte is going to be in the main event of some kind of WrestleMania match. Like, I feel like they could have used that as a tool for someone else so much easier. It's kind of like when Cena was winning Rumbles. Like, we didn't need Cena to win Rumbles. We knew he was going to be there. I think that's what's beautiful about Roman, though, is because everybody has this dread. No matter who they put over that isn't Roman, people are thankful. And it's just like, it's like the, like, take away your favorite toy and give you this other toy that's not as good. But you're really appreciative because I took away this other toy. I feel like they keep doing that with Roman, and I'm okay with it because it's helping other people get over. But that's that's always what I kind of connect it with. It's like, Roman's not actually going to win, but if everybody thinks that, then it's going to be that much better of a surprise when, you know, Drew does in this case. Yeah, I think they wrote it perfectly too. Like, when you think that, like, I don't know how it was there, of course, like, you'll be able to say, but it felt like the Brock thing was starting to get a little old for the people in the in the audience. And when Drew eliminated him, like, it sounded like he got a pretty major pop. And, and Ricochet. Kind of, Ricochet also helped. And they rode that, they but they rode that goodwill cheer, like, you know, like, face move, like, all the way to the end. And then to have him, like, already having that momentum of eliminating Brock and the crowd already behind him, to then, like, stick him in there with Roman Last, who just eliminated Edge, I think, like, mm-hmm. was just perfect. Like, they right. wrote that. Like, we shit on WWE all the time, but that's one time, like, Broken Clock is right twice a day because they nailed it. Well, I feel it like, like they haven't messed up on a Rumble match in the last two or three years, like, really yeah. messed it up. I mean, this one was like two separate. Like there was just like the first half was just the rumble. It was just against Brock, and then you almost had like your just separate thing for the last fifteen that came out. It was like two different stories, I guess. And I thought I was convinced. I was still convinced that that Roman was going to win because I thought they already had enough with Drew eliminating Brock and then kind of staring him down and stuff. I was like, that's enough right there that they can build that Brock wants to get back at him at WrestleMania. Like Drew doesn't even have to win it. And I was like, they're going to give this to Roman and nobody's going to like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, glad they didn't. I'm glad Drew they didn't. Yeah. won. And, and if I, if I can get it, uh, Jay sent me a video of his celebration afterwards and I'll play the audio of that. Uh, yes. My episode, if I can find a way to get it. Extremely poor attempt at replicating when McIntyre stands up in the corner and like yells at the crowd before <laughs> <Yeah>. his matches. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think I have the pipes. Jay, um, I think that's going to do it because your your time uh, you're up against it. I think right. Uh, yeah, I don't want to force yeah. you out. No. Okay, well I appreciate you um, stopping by, and uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, Depending, I mean, we'll have you. We'll have you on in the next couple months for sure. We'll talk. All right, sounds good, man. All right, Jay, I'm glad you had fun. Thank you for coming on. All right, later. Have a good one, man. See you later. Okay, uh, 
thanks again for Jay stopping by. I believe we were leaving off. Uh, we were in transfer talk, and Josh, you had just suggested a really good signing for Sheffield. Was that right? Do I have that right? Oh, Sunderburger. Yeah. So, is there any signings that to either of you were just completely surprising? Or don't make any sense? Well, the Jack Rodwell one that you mentioned earlier is utterly bizarre because he's absolutely useless. Like He's so irrelevant these days. Like I, I don't know what happened there. I don't have one, really. Okay, that's fine. If, if you want, um, we can just do... In fact, let me just pull it up here. I just want to do a quick uh, status update. Okay. So Brighton Christian, and Christian Eriksen finally left Spurs to go to Inter Milan. Which is a pretty big move. Oh. Yeah, that he went uh, a couple of days ago. It's been it's been in the works for a long time. Eriksen wanted out for a, a yeah. while, but that's been a long one to- coming. Did we talk about that in a previous episode? Because it was always like the rumored, the rumored possibly transfer last summer, even, and it just never happened. Yep, entirely possible. And then uh, Tottenham then went and signed uh, Stephen Ber- Bergwin, Bergwin from PSV, who is like one of the fastest people I've ever seen run on a football for ages. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That'd be perfect if Mourinho is running a counter on somebody after being up one zero and just right. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be miserable. So, I wanted to end Premier League talk with this. We are currently 24 matches in. And it's a total of 36, right? Or 38. 38, yeah. Okay, so we have 14 to go. Our bottom three, from 20th to 18th, are Norwich City, Watford, and Bournemouth. And... Within three points of 18 are West Ham at 17, Aston Villa at 16, and Brighton at 15. Are we prepared for a world where both of the teams that this podcast supports are both in the championship? I mean, I'm not... I don't want to be ready for it, but... (laughs) Well, you've been ready for it since the first, like, Three months. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been now a rough you're getting go. a sign of hope. Yeah, I mean, let's face it; it is incredibly tight right now. I think that you're almost guaranteed that Norwich is going down, yep. but after that, it is. Let's see: Watford, Bournemouth, and and West Ham all have twenty three, and Villa and Brighton have twenty five. I mean, it is so incredibly tight. Yeah, and I would go. I would go as far as to say one of Southampton Palace. Burnley, Newcastle will get dragged back into the fight. So, um, I know they're five points clear now, but I have a, there's always one team that drops off heavily from like from like mid-table safety after the January window to like serious shit. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was Newcastle who are further down than everybody else because they they aren't good at all like i think they have scored less goals i think they've scored less goals than most of the people in the bottom three haven't they they've scored 24 uh crystal scored 22 and then your relegation uh bournemouth has scored 23 watford 21 norwich 24 so as it stands your lowest scoring team god sheffield's only scored 25 yeah watford's the lowest scoring team in the league yeah lowest scoring and then second is crystal palace and then I believe Newcastle would be tied for fourth. Bournemouth no. being third. Yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah, so fourth is a tie between Norwich and uh and Newcastle. I kind well, of Sheffield Newcastle United. Sheffield United have only conceded twenty three though, which is the second best in the league. Like they are built on defending first, keeping the ball out of the net, and then seeing what they can grab at the other end. Like they have, they have only conceded 23 goals all season. Like, Leicester City have conceded 24. Man City have conceded 27. Like, this is, like, it's outrageous. Like, they've built themselves on just defensively sound. Liverpool have conceded 15, but they're just not normal, so. 
Who and then on the other manager, your man, uh, Chris Wilder, is he largely viewed as a, a manager that most people like? Yeah, he's an excellent that, manager. That was, the, that was the all right. That was the impression I got from two different podcasts where they're really they're all really happy for Chris Wilder. And yeah, he's done an excellent job. Like I'm not sure how he did at Oxford. I'll be honest. Um, but he moved when he moved to Northampton Town back before just before I moved here. Um, I live really close to Northampton, and they were in absolute shit. Like they were expected to be relegated from League Two down into like the non-league. Um, he turned them around. He saved them, and then set, then sent them like I think they won the title like two years into his leadership. Wow. And then that's when he went to Sheffield United. So they went from like the absolute brink of going down to winning the title with like, I think it was like a hundred points or like 98 points or something like that. And like just murdered the league and then went to Sheffield United, took over from them when they were in league one, I think. And then just like, just kept getting promoted. I think he got two promotions in three years. Do you think because he's done those kind of projects? So it's, it's, let me see. So he's got Sheffield before that. It was Northampton, Oxford United, Halifax, Alfreton. So do you think there's a chance if they if they stay up, which it looks like they're going to, that he doesn't take a job? Because I'm sure someone is going to want to take him away, right? A bigger, a bigger. A bigger uh, you team. think that, you think that, but it's going to really make a difference as to whether he wants to go or not. So like you think that, but Eddie Howe has been at Bournemouth for ages and has kept them up when people don't think he should. And he hasn't left. So it will be really a case of whether Wilder wants to leave or not. Um, And as of right now, I can't imagine he would have any reason to want to leave because they're more likely to be playing in Europe next year than they are to go down. Um, And when he's being supported like money wise to be able to sign people like friggin' Sanderberger, like you've got to think that like he's going to have no real desire to leave anytime soon. Unless of course, like one of the big, big boys to come in. Like if, uh, well, no, I don't, I don't even know who would come in for him because they've all just switched managers. I guess the only option would be Manchester United. And I does, I would put my house on them. Never going for Chris Wilder. Not a big enough splash for them. But nowhere near enough, especially after going with Solskjaer. Like, that was already a smaller appointment. I can't imagine that they would risk it with Chris Wilder, despite the fact that I think he would make them pretty good. Uh, so he, they they been, need the He's been the manager name. of Sheffield since May 2016, and he's managed 179 games, and they have 92 wins, 41 draws, 46 losses. That's insane. Solid. Yeah. It's really solid. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do next year. Like the second season syndrome that hits most clubs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them because they've done incredibly well Like, and they've done it in the right way. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fare in the second year after all of this stuff because like David Wagner had done a great job at Huddersfield and everybody felt the same way about him. Like He was likable. He played decent football. Like He's kept them up when everybody thought they would go down. And then the second season came around and we all saw what happened last year. Like, it was horrific. So he, he won't be the first or last to fall victim to it. I just hope he doesn't because I like him. So we'll see. So do you want to do a quick prediction on what three teams at this point do we want to put not real money on being relegated come the end of the season? Um, sure. Okay. I would like to go first to buy you time since I just sprung this on you guys. Okay. Okay. I think it's going to be Norwich, obviously, at 20. I think it's going to be Bournemouth at 19. And I think that it might be Watford at 18. So really not much of a shakeup than what it already is, except Watford goes, <laughs> goes, up, goes up one. And I know it's 14 games to go, so there's almost no chance that happens. But I wanted to hear you guys... You guys' predictions. Um, I'm going to go Norwich at 20. I think Bournemouth's going to fall to 19. And I'm going to go for the ultimate upset. I'm going to say West Ham goes down and ruins all their fans. 
They've got a pretty huge following, don't they? Or is it? Or are they one of the smaller teams, Josh? No, are West they, Ham are a pretty big side, yeah. They're a London they're, team, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, yeah. They, they play at the Olympic Stadium. Well. Oh. Oh. Which is one of the reasons their fans are such unhappy people right now. It's because they never wanted to leave their old stadium. But uh, the... The team, or like the people who own them, got such a good deal by taking over the Olympic Stadium uh, that they moved there instead, and the fans hate it. They lost their soul, right? And that what you always refer. To that's the people? argument. Yeah, that's what they they truly believe it. And I mean, it's just it it it, it doesn't feel like home to them. So it's it's one of the reasons that they're suffering so much. All right, Josh, I got you penciled in for Norwich at twenty. Yep, good, because I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, I have Bournemouth in 19th too. Um, one, because I think that they they usually stay up on the... like They've always got a dodgy defence, right? Like Anybody that watches Bournemouth over the years like knows that they're not the most solid at the back team, but they usually score enough goals to make it okay. And they ain't scoring goals this year. In fact, I just looked at it. They are the second lowest goal scorers in the league. And unless they start finding goals, they're going down. And it would be so satisfying to see Eddie Howe go down because I think he's a twat. Um, <laughs> my 18th place uh, is a to- is a coin toss. So I think if I think if Brighton can get in this right back thereafter, um, get in Alexis McAllister, who they're talking uh, they're going to be talking with tomorrow, which both seem to be likely now. If we sign a striker tomorrow. I think West Ham go down as well because it happens every now and again. Like one of the bigger teams go down in a shock, like when Newcastle went down a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, I think that West Ham are primed for it big time. If we don't sign a striker, I think we'll go down. I think we are one Neil Mopai injury away from, I mean, we've got nothing. So, uh, ask me in 24 hours and I'll be able to give you an absolute concise answer on anything place. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate we're recording on, on the day before the last day. Because I want to say the last time we did this and we talked about the transfer deadline, we might have recorded the day after. Like It was a perfect like book into it and as the years go so do the days they shift. I think we actually it was it was the summer transfer window and I believe we actually did it like an hour after it closed. Ah, yes. What a miracle. It was that Thursday because the league kicked off on the Saturday and the Friday was like the middle ground. So they had it closed on a Thursday night and we recorded on that Thursday. Well, what do you guys have before we get out of here? Kyle, you went to Clemson. How shitty is that arena? It's real tiny. It was a really weird scene. Um, so went down there for the Clemson-Syracuse game. And Syracuse was up for most of the game. Uh, but then they had a layup with 2.3 seconds left to win. So that was a little sad for my father and I. But What time did you get back in to Charlotte? I got back to my house at about 1.30 in the morning. Ooh. Yeah, it was a little rough because I had to drive back to South Charlotte and come yeah. back out my way. Um, After a last-minute defeat, too. Yeah, yeah, sucks. it was a tough drive home. Um, but so it was like military appreciation night. Ooh. So they were doing a lot of – Isn't like, it always uh, military appreciation in this country? Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. But like they have like a pretty big uh, big ROTC um, – uh, program there Rotsy? so they had oh, ROTC yeah I've never heard it called ROTC before never heard what, it what is that it's like um, junior it's like pretend army not really oh so, okay I just want to piss people off that are on ROTC my, my little my, my cousin is in ROTC at South Carolina uh, basically once you go through school and you're in ROTC you do like all of the uh, the military um, training there but you're not active active military when you get out you're the level of a uh oh, i think you're an officer not an okay. admiral musquay not an admiral musquay no i wish um, you were yeah yeah 
so they were doing a lot of things surrounding the military. So like they presented flags to some, some, uh, veterans, uh, some of the ROTC Rangers repelled down from the rafters and all I could think of was Owen Hart. Or stink. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was like, yeah, oh, I, was I like, didn't even uh, click. Yeah, that I was is... like, it, what's going to happen? Is somebody going to fall and then they're going to cancel the game? <laughs> God, that would have <laughs> been think, sad. Do you think was... one of the veterans would like unroll their flag and put it over the body if that were to happen? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no, because then it would touch the ground. Um... <laughs> what war were they veterans of? I don't know. They're like 70s. So probably like Vietnam. Did um, anyone let them know that we lost? <laughs> no, that wasn't discussed. Um, <laughs> so there, there was a Syracuse fan sitting next to me and I just, and I like, I see these guys just like hanging up there, getting ready to, to repel down. And I'm just like, I look at him, I go, this is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> like, I was like, I have a serious fear of heights and just looking at this looks miserable. Um, Kind of a funny part that I had to try not to laugh at, but uh, during the national anthem, so they start singing, and they hadn't unveiled the uh, the flag yet. So one of the one of the uh, the guy who's like leading the like it's a big giant flag about as big as the, the court. He he yells like at the starting of the uh, the so like oh say like that, and then like this guy goes yeah, not that like he just starts screaming. Like, his his his, uh, his start screaming the song. No, he just started screaming the orders to unfi- un- like unravel the flag. The singer so, did. No, no, the, the not the singer, but some, the person that was leading the flag people. Gotcha. The flag people. The flag people. <laughs> well, while while they're going back and they're trying to do it pretty fast to un- to open it up, one of the girls that's that's uh, that's doing it falls. Oh no! <laughs> she trips and falls underneath the flag. Did they burn it right there? <laughs> they should have. Um, but at the halftime show was like uh, the kind of you know the, the the people that have like the the old timey rifles that do like the the flipping of the guns and everything like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's synchronized. Called. Yeah, the, 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 this is like the perishing rifles, or that's what they called it. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, it was the m- military ceremony. I yeah. I looked sure. up. Good I looked boys. up gun synchronized flips. <laughs> the Google results are uh, gun twirling. Don't think that's it. <laughs> this is a really rudimentary version of what they were doing, but it was like the most somber, like halftime show because people weren't like clapping during it. They're just letting them like walk on the court and flip their guns around and then they clap for him afterwards. It was very weird. Um, but the, the reason it was a weird scene is that I had this Clemson fan behind me and much like when we went to clash of uh, night of champions, he's had one joke that somebody down the line giggled at and then he decided to do his whole set. Oh no. Oh no! <laughs> so, so at some God. point, well, first of all, he asked his buddy in the first half, "Hey, what is that mop for? Are they using it to wipe up the scuffs?" And like his buddy was just like, "No, you know they wipe up sweat and moisture." He's like, "Oh, I thought that it was for mop- mopping up the scuffs." So that guess. was his bit. That's like the no, no. That was just the real question that he had. But then it turned into, he made, I forgot what he said first, but it got a giggle down the line. So then it turned into weird insult guy where like if somebody did something good for Syracuse, he would say, one of them, he said, he likes his, um, he likes his rice, rice cakes without peanut butter. Yeah. But my personal favorite that he used a couple times was, uh, he voted for Bernie. Oh no! <laughs> good one. <laughs> good one. Yeah, and it was it was uh, and he was yelling it ironically at Quincy Garrier. I really wanted to turn around and be like, so he just turned eighteen and he's from Montreal, so he probably didn't. He voted <laughs> for he voted for Trudeau. 
<laughs> but it was so that he was doing then, that after Syracuse would do something good, not after yes. they do something bad. Okay. Yes. Um, and then like whenever <laughs> they would, whenever uh, Clemson would have the ball and be moving around, he'd start going like like that. Like, How old was this noise. gentleman? Uh, he's probably mid to late twenties. Oh no! Jesus, I would have guessed fifty. Yeah, that is so would no, I. No, this is he was about mid to late twenties, and then um, uh, the 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 just the the thing that sent it home was um, he started calling for Clemson to shoot threes by going, "Hey man, just shoot it, man! Come on, man!" And like speaking in a really weird caricature of Hispanic accent. Yeah. So he was he a white man? Yes. Uh, would you would it surprise you if he got a degree from Clemson? Yes. <laughs> I think he was a townie. Okay. Orange hat or camouflage hat? Didn't really get that good of a look at him oh, for man. his headwear because I was more cer- keying in on he had camo pants on. <laughs> um, and he had an orange, an orange Clemson hoodie on, and he looked like a large orange M and M. Brilliant. Which you already can't eat because of your peanut allergy. Yes, but it was just a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a. <laughs> there's always someone worse. I think and it was getting chippy, like the game was getting chippy, so it started, like the crowd was really getting kind of amped up. Did your dad think about swinging on this guy, or what? No, my dad would throw out his hip if he did that. Oh, does did your dad wear a hat to the mat, to the game? He didn't, but he brought his veteran hat to wear. No, he like, didn't because of the military? I was no, just going to no, ask him. No, no he, he, his reasoning behind it is because... Nobody's going to fuck with me if they see a military. They usually don't fuck with me if I'm wearing a military hat. Wow, that's like, that's, uh, that's honestly like, not <laughs> bad. Yeah, you know, going into a hostile, hostile uh, arena. You know, if you got the military hat on, nobody's going to go up to you and really talk too much shit to you. Yeah, I mean, there's already guns in the building. They're flipping around like it's a fucking <laughs> baton. So what is? What is uh, it's called Drill Team, by the way. I Drill Team, sure. Yeah, sure. it makes too much Good sense. Luck. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, it's just the invest. I did some of the research online, but yeah, it got way too politically charged for me. Like, yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think here. Let's let's think as a group. We all experienced the wrestling guy. Yeah, and, and it's not the first time we've actually all done. We've done it twice, right? Because it happened at the NXT yeah. show, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, at the WWE show. Yeah, why is it that somebody always like says one joke and they get a reaction and then they do their full set? It's it's uh it's it happens everywhere. I mean, it happens like if you're in the DMV line and one guy like it's like fuck, I you know I could have uh, had a full eight hour, you know, just to say some stupid joke at the DMV and it takes one person to giggle and then they have they do their stand up. What is the sporting event that all three of us could go to? that's relatively close that would have someone be worse than the guy that you experienced at Clemson and that we experienced at a wrestling show. NASCAR. Oh. Okay. NASCAR is off the table. That's an easy answer. <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a way too easy answer. Uh, like, I don't think it's a soccer match. You know what? Actually, I bet it would be a soccer match because it's a guy that would be, had never have watched soccer that is talking about, Flopping. Do you think that maybe at a Hornets game it could be worse? Um, not really. I I mean I've been to Hornets games and I've had a really good time. It tends to be more how, just a family atmosphere. How about a uh, lower level MMA event? Ooh. Oh, that's uh, that is I think our winner. By, so not your like UFC two fifty five, but like your like Bellator. 227 that's like in Charlotte in like a 4,000 seater arena. Now, uh, Kyle, where did we go to NXT when it was just you, me, and my wife? Um, my wife. My wife. Um, we went to, oh, was, it was that CPCC? I forgot the name of the. It was like the, a, um, 
It was some hall, though. Uh, it was it was a junior college arena. Um, so it was a smaller arena. Was it Tate Hall? I think so. Maybe. That Maybe. sounds about right. Okay. So, so, yeah, we're talking about a... I don't even think... I think 4,000 might be too big. It would be the lower level MMAs where it draws like 80. Like the indie wrestling equivalent of an MMA show. Yes, exactly. Where it has, um, where it has just like all the people wearing like no fear tops. Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, no. Monster, I would fit. I would, yeah, you know, I was gonna say I would fit great in if they let me bring my monster. <laughs> they wouldn't fuck with me. It's my version of the military cap your dad wore. <laughs> well, he forgot the cap in his car. So. Oh, so it was, <laughs> it's a mute point. Yeah, a mute but point. The, mute. You said mute. 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 Did I say mute? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm an idiot, so like we've, we've determined Dude, this. Do we want to? Do we need to like like mute your microphone? Is that, no, it's 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 mute, mute instead point? of mute, and it's uh, a brick shit. No, shit brick house and Aston Villa. <laughs> Aston Villa is one that will never not annoy me. It's it. For me, it's so hard to say Villa. It just is, it's not, but you have to understand in Texas, you don't really talk about Villas. You'd see a Villa, maybe, because it's yeah. also a common last name. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, I've had Aston Villa my whole life, but I've also had David Villa, like the Spanish striker that was huge <laughs> yeah. in the mid-2000s. So, like, I just, I can, I don't get it. I just don't know why you can't differentiate them. I've done better. I think I've said Villa. Like no, you've been, you have been better. Fair play to you. That's at, at least in one thing. That's that's, that's certain. Proud so, of you. It's so progress. I think that's going to do it for the show. Do you guys yeah. want to get on the uh, internet and start shopping for lower class MMA tickets, and we can use it use it for the show? Maybe I'll record <laughs> some audio. We can you can do it. We can do it as a case study. Yeah. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> Josh never makes it back. <laughs> yeah, they they, no, they just try to deport Josh because he's an immediately immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> I might support him on that. They wouldn't let you in. They'd take your ticket. <laughs> You'd ask them where the restroom is, and they're just like, ah, here, I'll show you. And it's a fucking back room where they just interrogate you and send you home. They ask you about your trip to Egypt. <laughs> over and over and over again. Yep. So Egypt. All right. Is that all you guys got? Uh, yep. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's that's rude. Um. All right. Uh. Guys, thank you for listening at Sports Trebuchet on Twitter, and tell your friends. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy, and I am Corwin Heller, and we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.